Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is Winning at Work and Home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. This is not an interview, so it's all you. Oh, it's all me. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, when we only had like three people here at uh, at at six this morning, I was like, uh, maybe, maybe my wife is right. No one would want to hear me talk about sex. No. Um, no. <laughs> no. Hopefully, for some of you, this this might be like your favorite your favorite lesson. Like, finally, you get to hear, uh, hopefully, straight talk on on sex within you know within church. Um, it's for sure, uh, as we started going down the totem pole, uh, there are certain criteria of who got to teach what topic. And uh, for me, of course, one of the criteria was how many kids do you have? And so of all the people teaching this, I had four, which sort of put me up over the top because uh, Swigger, he went out at three. Um, and so I, I just, that was the guy I had to get over the top with that. That was one. And then also uh, the superlative awards in high school. I was voted least likely to talk about sex in front of a group of men. And so they also thought it would be good if I, I taught as well on that. So sort of in honor of that, uh, I want to I play a little clip. It's not a video clip. Actually, it's an audio clip. It took me a long time on YouTube to find it. But I couldn't do the video, but it's salt and pepper. I hope you, I hope you appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys like this song. Um, this kept me going last night when I was working on it. My wife likes it, too. Y'all remember this song at all? Come on. Let's talk about sex. Oh, yeah.
stay in the side of the mystery, that we actually trust that what God has spoken, and that's his word, that his word speaks truth, that, that God will have spoken truth into this. And so for single man, I said this in the prayer type of deal, if you're single from here on out, I hope you understand that this is preparation for you. This is something for you to, in a sense, very real sense, file away and keep for a future date. For those of you that are married, I hope that you take some highly, highly practical things with you from here today and that you would actually apply it. And in every chapter, if you all notice, there is a blue box near the end that says the live to die assignment or homework. It's in every one of your chapters. If you go here and all you do is sort of fill in your blanks and you just go home and that's all you're doing, you're missing out on an opportunity to actually change the trajectory of your marriage, and then as we get into the work-related things, to change the trajectory of your vocation. And so whenever you see those boxes, I, if you haven't started doing this yet, please go back to week one and start at week one and begin to work your way through. It will make a huge, huge difference. Well, there is a huge difference in men and women. It's an undeniable difference between the genders on sex. And uh, we can see it all around us, and there's certain areas that it's more noticeable than others. And as my wife and I were talking about this last night, I, I, I did a poll with her because one of the main differences is the frequency in which we think about sex. How many married men do we have in here? Raise your hand. Okay, so the vast majority in here are married men. What I want to do is there's a lot of research out there that I've, I've gotten. I've got the data on I'm going to put it up in just a minute, but I'm going to do an informal poll here. For men in here, married or single, how, how often or how frequently a day do you think about sex? Who's going to pony up and actually give a number? And no one's recording this at all. They can't hear you. They'll only hear me stating your name and how frequently you think about sex. So, so, so please, just... Got a number? What? Once a day. Okay. <laughs> it's a really long thought. <laughs> Several times an hour, so that would be in the uh, 40 to uh, 50 to 150 range. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that that was... Okay, yeah, no, we're going to say... Somebody else? What he said. How many of y'all would say you think about sex more than 10 times a day? Raise your hand. More than uh, 20 times a day. I see the guys swaggering over 30 times a day. Okay, good. There, there is our winner of the, uh, the most testosterone in a man. Okay, and, and actually statistically, they say that the average man thinks about sex 33 times a day. So if you only think about it 10 times, then obviously someone up here stole the other 23 and added it to their 33, and that's why we have more. Now, what about women? How many of y'all, how long do you think or how frequently do you think your wife or women in general think about sex? Three times a day? Okay. <laughs> how many times she took a shower? Wow, okay. Are you going to teach? You, he can teach. Aaron could teach this thing. Somebody else. I'd love to. I'd love to get the, uh, the 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 broad poll here. Three times a week, so a little less than a half time a day, or something like that. Anyone else? Any other guesses? My my wife asked her last night. She told me ten. She said ten times a day. And and when I when I shared with her that the norm is one time a day for a lady. I realized I have been, whatever, quintuply times two, blessed. No, I've, <laughs> I have been blessed abundantly. Um, so, so the bottom line is, though, on sex, if you ask your wife, you know, hey, honey, how often do you think about it? If, if she says, think about what? Well, that's your answer right there. And I think for a lot of us, that's sort of what we experience sometimes when we ask our wives that, that question. For men, though, because we do think about sex so often that we are physical creatures that do respond sexually and uh we're, we're all there there is a burden that comes on us and the question for us is real simple is how do we manage our sexuality 
you don't have to look very far if you watch the news even recently. Um, there are scandals all around us that revolve around sexuality. And it doesn't matter if you're a politician. It doesn't matter if you're a minister. It doesn't matter if you're an actor or an actress or a business leader. People have mismanaged their sexuality, and the outlay of that, there's one of two things that happen. And so there's this idea of WMD versus WMG. WMD, when sex is out of the bounds, if it's not managed well, it becomes a weapon of mass destruction. Families are destroyed. Corporations have been brought down. Diseases have been caught. Some people have died. It goes on and on and on. History tells that story, that sex not properly managed ends up being a weapon of mass destruction. However, the flip side of that is that it could also be managed well. It could be focused and directed well. And it could be a WMG. And that is a wonderful masculine gift that God has given to us. A wonderful masculine gift. It's not a mistake that we think about sex more than ladies. It's not a sign of our depravity. It's actually a sign of our design by God. And just as if you walked into your house and if you have a fireplace and you build a fire sort of in the fireplace, for a while that could warm the house, for a while that could set a nice ambiance and a mood in the home and actually maybe accomplish a little and you can enjoy it a little Eventually, if it's not in that fireplace, it is going to be destroying that home. It will burn the home down. On the short term, don't even notice it. Actually, it benefits you. Maybe you get warmer faster because it's not so far away. It's sort of right here on the hearth. But that's what sex in America has become. It's, it is celebrated out of the bounds of marriage. And it is all around us. And if you're a single man in here, because I, I grew up, you know, and I got married, whatever, 12 years ago. I think it's even harder now than when I was a single guy. I really do. The internet and everything else that is just forcing sex on us. And I would say just as you go out of here, keep your eyes open and look around. But I'm like, no, no, actually close your eyes and stay pure as you get out of here. You don't want to notice it all, but it's there, even in the... In the uh, grocery store I mean, I'm sitting here with my kids and I'm in the grocery store and I am like flipping magazines around and the ladies are staring at me like what are you doing and I'm like I said it's just a bunch of crap it's, it's just a bunch of crap I don't want my kids seeing it and I'm just flipping the magazines around because I know that what it's going to do for my daughters I've got three daughters it's going to emblazon in them that this is what a lady is she's half dressed she's surgically enhanced and she is extremely unhealthily thin and for my son what he's going to see is this is what a lady is <laughs> the exact same thing and that that's what i need to look for in a wife and i've prayed over my daughters every night we pray over each of our kids individually we tag team it you know and i, I pray over my son then my wife goes in then i'm praying over one of our daughters my wife goes in and we do that it takes 30 minutes for us to get our kids down just over praying over them but I have prayed over my daughters each and every day of their life, even when I held them and they couldn't even understand a word I was saying, that God would set them free from our cultural definition of beauty, that they would know that beauty resonates and emerges from our heart, and that it is when God is firmly on the throne of their heart that they are most beautiful to me, to God, and to the man down the road that I pray that God's preparing to marry them. We need to view our wives in that same, same way. It's urgent. It's critical. Sex is out of bounds, and it is, in our society, a weapon of mass destruction. I want to give you some quotes here. It says, Oh, how beautiful and delightful you are, my love. Your breasts are like clusters, and I will take hold of them, and your mouth tastes like the best wine. Amazing quote. It's not from an HBO special. <laughs> Not from an R-rated or an NC-17 movie. Guess where it's from? Song of Solomon. Beautiful. Next verse. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be absolutely drunk with her love. <laughs> Not Playboy 519. 
it's Proverbs 5.19. And can I hear an amen on that? You know, it's like, that's awesome. And some of you out here, like, if you haven't read through Scripture, you might be saying, hey, I, I need to buy a Bible. You know, I need to go home and get a Bible. I need to read the Bible. Because it does talk about, very frankly, very passionately, very romantically, sex. It's there. God designed it. He designed us as those sexual creatures. And so when managed well, it is a huge, huge blessing. I want to give us now a couple of things of what every husband wishes his wife understood. My wife listens to these podcasts, and yours, maybe they do, maybe they don't. For your sake, hopefully they don't. But uh, I would say these would be good things for you to communicate with your wife if they're true for you. Uh, for my wife, Stacy, listening at home uh, tomorrow probably, these are true things for me, and I shared a lot of them with her last night, and I wanted her to get, give me a reaction off of some of this. And so what I want us to look at right now is the very first thing is that, that my sex drive, that our sex drive as men is powerful, persistent, and it's normal. And as you go through your listening guides, you know, I'd, I'd fill that in. Powerful, persistent, and normal. We're not weird. We're not all sex addicts. We're not freaks. We're actually normal. That if you think about sex a lot, you're, you're normal. If you're unable to function because of it, then there could be an issue there. But for most of us, we're holding down jobs. We're trying to, to be good husbands. We're trying to date well. We're trying to do all of those things. And we're normal. It's just how we're designed. God's made us for action, and he's made us for this thing called sex. Research says that for men, two to three times a week, men need a sexual release, or, that's the average man, or there will begin to be a discomfort, frustration, and anxiety. Two to three times a week. Now, that's an average. That means some guys, maybe they, and I've got a friend like this, it cracked me up. Uh, there was a pastor in town that gave a 30-day challenge to his congregation. I don't know if y'all heard of it. Did y'all hear about that, anyone? The challenge was for a couple, for a married couple, to have sex every day for 30 days. So we have this small Bible study that we meet with. We've been meeting with them for seven years. Now, we have three core couples, and we've had other couples sort of cycle in, and they get freaked out, and then they leave. But, but we actually had a couple really like, that's a great idea, you know? The husband, of course, not the wife. But... <laughs> But we all said, well, we'll do that 30-day challenge. Well, my wife and I, after four days, um, we, we stopped, literally, in the middle of sex. We stopped, we look at each other, and we're like, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. So we're both tired. We got four kids. We don't get much sleep. Two of the couples went on beyond 30 days, and it was sort of like this dueling, you know, we're, we're on day 35. And it's like, well, we just finished day 36. And one of these husbands, I'm not going to name his name, but he shares the first name that I share. He could have sex every day, 365 days a year for the rest of his life. And I think he expects that from his wife. I mean, I really do. And it is how he's wired. I'm not wired to need that six days or seven days out of the week. A couple of days a week for me is fine. I'm too tired to go beyond that. And some of y'all know what I mean if you have a lot of little kids. It, it's just a tire, tiring, grueling deal. The, uh, the, next, the next area in here, sex is to me what affection is to you. It's my number one need. And one, meaning sex, empowers the meeting of the other. Now, women that don't understand that first statement that the sex drive is a persistent, powerful, and normal thing they're definitely not going to understand this. And what we need to help our wives understand as well is that in marriages, the number one time of infidelity in marriage is, is number one, for a husband, is when he's not having good sex with his wife. And then for a wife, the number one reason is when she is not having daily affection and quality time with her husband. Our wives, they can understand the emotional side of things. They can understand, well, you're not, you're not, you're not connecting with me. You're not, you're not listening to me. I need you to listen to me. I need you to, to be affectionate with me. Yeah, they want that and they need that. They're made for that. But it's no more selfish for you to have the need for physical intimacy with them, to connect with them. It's not one's not better than the other. We're designed for both of those. 
But for men, there's sort of this cycle that we get into that affection and sex and those things, and we're going to look at this in just a minute. There's a little diagram that you have down there. But there's a, uh, there is this cycle that we get into. And there was, a, there was a marriage counselor out of Phoenix, Arizona. I can't remember their name, but here's what they have started counseling their couples on, engaged couples. They tell the wife, the wife-to-be, if you are not prepared to have sex two to three times a week with this man for the rest of your life, you probably shouldn't get married to him. Because what this counselor is seeing is that there are women that they don't, they want to be married, they want to have affection in their life, but they don't want to have sex. And so they basically get into a marriage relationship. There was a couple at our church that went through this. Their marriage ended, but he had sex, the husband had sex twice in three years with his wife. Once on the honeymoon, once when they got back, and then she cut it off. She wanted to be married, and she wanted the relationship, and she starved him physically. It was, and this guy had integrity and honor. He didn't go to pornography. He didn't go to other women. He cried a lot. He went to counseling. He sought after God. He's a good man, and he's a godly man. But what he didn't know coming in, she wasn't remotely interested in sex. That wasn't anything to do with why she was getting married. And she ended that. She ended that marriage. She's not, didn't have an affair or nothing like that. What I'm telling you is it's important. Our wives need to understand and we need to educate them. And those that listen to this, I hope they understand the importance of connecting sexually with us and for us to connect affectionately with them. Here is the, the cycle that goes on. And this cycle goes both ways. This cycle can be very, very energizing and very healthy and this cycle can be very destructive, and I've already shared sort of how it can be destructive, but, but here it is. When a husband has sex with his wife, he feels connected with her emotionally. That's how we connect emotionally, and therefore he responds with affection. When a wife is being affectionately responded to by her husband, she feels connected to him and when she feels connected to him affectionately, guess what she wants to do? Have sex. And that cycle is really productive. In fact, we've got four kids out of that cycle. It's highly reproductive, you know? It's how God has wired us together. But the negative side of that is, if the husband merely wants sex, and he closes off the emotional connection with his wife, and he doesn't give her affection, she will not give him sex. He will then get frustrated and angry. She will then get less affection, and she will then feel less connected, and it will spiral down, and there will be couples that will not have sex for years. Sometimes they will live in separate bedrooms, and we're going to talk about some of the things that build this and some of the things that energize this but what i'm telling you is this cycle it doesn't excuse anything but here's the question it's sort of like in a lot of ways it's sort of like the chicken and the egg right which comes first you know the the husband having a giving affection or the wife giving sex who's going to give in the very first week we gave you a principle we said everything about winning at work and home would be founded and grounded in this one principle you remember what the name of it was called the paradox principle that if you want to live, you're going to have to die. That doesn't mean you totally die. But what it means is we serve ourselves last. And we serve our wives first. That if you're like, I want to have sex, but you're not willing to say, I want to be affectionate with my wife. I want to communicate with my wife. I want to serve my wife. And I'm going to give you a whole list of things that you can do to connect with your wife. But if you're not willing to go there, then understand you're getting what you're giving. And that's selfishness. And it's true in my life. There's There are times that I don't serve where I know I need to serve. And I'll tell you, my wife responds differently to me than she does when I am actually pursuing her and doing the things that actually mean something to her. And so I just want to put that on the table. The third deal here, 
Is sex for me is a grand oasis, and that's not my word. I never use that word. That is a Robert Lewis phrase. But the point of it is absolutely true for me. It is a place where I can escape and still experience a moment of pure fun. If you're like me, there have been times in your life that you sort of wish you could go back to high school sometimes. And, you know, for me, run cross country again or be on the golf team again or be on the wrestling team again. There are times I wish I could go back to college. It was carefree, and I could sit in the window of my dorm and watch a soccer game going down, or I could hop out and play ultimate frisbee for hours. You know, and, and it, was, it was freedom. Or as a single man, that you could spontaneously do anything you want to do, go out with whoever you want to go out with, and just and do that. And then you get married, and you, you can't do that. Or you can do that, but you're going to destroy your marriage. And then you have kids, and you realize, I have responsibilities, and I have obligations. We can't go back in almost any area of our life, but God in his grace has actually given us one area. In fact, he commands us to, to connect with and to enjoy the wife of our youth. And he wrote that, and he said that to a grown man. It's a beautiful thing. That when I connect with my wife in the bedroom or under the kitchen table or in the shower or wherever it is that we're connecting, that, that when, when we're connecting, stress and all those things go away. And what happens to rise up there is a sense of fun and I feel re-energized and I feel young and I feel alive. I feel like, you know, this, this has changed me it's made my day different and it's not that i'm super shallow i think i'm pretty normal in that that when i connect with my wife it does something in my heart and it's a good thing i don't want to diminish that i want to say that for every lady that's out there is that it does something to us when you connect with us sexually and so check with your wife and see if that's true for them a d uh, satisfying sex reassures me in my manhood I grew up, I was the smallest guy at my high school. I went to an all-boys school. Um, I, so you formulate who you are as a man, how you see yourself when you're an adolescent going on. You usually don't change it once you become an adult. And so for me, I was like, you know, I wrestled 98 and under all the way through high school. That tells you I was like 5 feet, 5'1", five 5'2". Five oh, can I get to 5'3"? You know, I didn't even hit puberty until the ending of my senior year and into college. So when I meet people from high school, I went back to a reunion. No one knew who I was. I mean, literally, they didn't know who I was. And it was because I was like a foot taller and, you know, like 60 pounds heavier. And, and it's like, that's, that's great. But in my mind, I still lock myself away sometimes as that. Sex with my wife, I know it sounds really weak and, and sad to say it, but it really, honestly, I feel like a man when I please her in bed. And it reassures me that, you know what, maybe we just lost a ton of money in the stock market. Maybe I, I blew it at work today. Maybe I should have called somebody that I didn't call and they were in a crisis moment and I knew it, but I was tired and I didn't make the phone call. And so I blew it and so I feel like, man stressed and anxious and there's a spot I can go with my wife that I feel alive and I feel successful and I feel like a man and that is in the bedroom with her and it doesn't just happen when I want it it happens and we're going to talk about you know what what brings our lady to the spot of needing and wanting to connect in that way but it's it's very very true and I can say this that our 11th 12th year of marriage is far better than our first year of marriage in this area far better, and, and I'm going to tell you the reason why in just a little bit. Um, the last one is going to barely pop up here, um, and it says, real sexual fulfillment for me is impossible unless I can sexually fulfill you, and I would say that this is one of the biggest lies right now that goes through Christian ladies' circles, and it's this, and it's probably not just Christian women, I just, I just, I hear it because sometimes they end up in my office and they're talking about frustrations in their marriage. I believe, and it's true for me, and I have a feeling it's true for almost every one of you, that when my wife is satisfied in the bedroom, 
insects. I have far more joy and happiness, and I feel far more connected to her than when it was just a me thing, and she sort of laid there and allowed me to have sex but didn't participate with me. Women can go through the motion of sex without ever giving you their heart, their mind. I mean, there is a mystical component of sex. Even Paul says, every sin you do is sort of in this one category over here, but with sex, if you have sex with someone that's not your wife, you're ripping your flesh apart. You're sinning against your very own flesh. In other words, it does something in us that no other sin will do. The flip side is it heals something inside of us that nothing else will heal. And I believe that. And, and in this, I want, I want your wife, if that's true for you, you need to tell her that. And when I share that with my wife, she said, I know that's true for you. She said that last night, that she knew that it was true, that my greatest pleasure is when she is satisfied in bed. It's my greatest pleasure. And I have a feeling that because she knows that, she rarely has headaches. She rarely ever has ever said no. Because she knows that I'll take the time that I need to take to be sure that she gets all from that moment, from that time that she can get. And I'm not a sex therapist, and I'm not the expert, but I'm saying that my wife and I, that's one of the strengths of our marriage. And she's going to listen to this. And, you know, she'll be red-faced when she listens to this, but she'll she'll listen to this, and it's very true. I want to continue on this um, to say that's what we want our wives to know. But here's what our wives would like us to know. And again, everything that's up here is generalized. I sat down with my wife. We went through all of these. And I asked her, I said, tell me, <laughs> true for you, not true for you, how true for you? And, you know, we sort of went through that. And, and so, again, don't assume that every lady is identical. But across the board, these are very, very true type of things. And so there's a thing called the, the feminine Viagra, and that's before play. And here is that key principle. Husbands need sex to feel close to their wives. And this is sort of a repeat of what we've already said. But wives need daily closeness to feel like having sex with their husbands. Husbands need sex to feel close to their wives. But wives need daily closeness to feel like having sex with their husbands. So here is, here's the big question. What can we do to foster daily closeness with our wives? And so here's some everyday ways to keep your wife excited about connecting with you sexually. Number one, reassure her with words and displays of affection. I consider myself an affectionate person. I'm a hugger. I am a verbal person. My love language is words. I think, man, this is, this is right up my alley. When we went through this list, this was the one she put her finger on and she said, you're not as good at this as you think you are. And I said, I said, really? And she said, really? And, and I said, well, I said, help me understand. And she says, well, you know, you used to hug me a whole lot more. And she says, your hugs do something to me. She says, when you come in from work and you put your arms around me, I'm like, okay, let's put the kids to bed now. And if you have kids, you know what that means. That that's the time that mom and dad can actually communicate and talk uninterrupted. And I, th I thought about it. And, and I, when I come home from work, I go to the kids. And I play with them. She says, I, you're great at connecting with the kids. Make a bigger effort when you come home from work to connect with me. And in the newlywed class, the irony is that I actually teach the opposite. I, I, I say that's what you should do. And you should prioritize your, your, your wife first and time with your wife first. And you should dialogue daily and date weekly and depart monthly. And yet my wife indicts me to say, I don't do a good job of that. So when you ask your wife about these things, and this is one of the assignments, one of your die-to-live projects. When you ask your wife about this, you cannot be defensive. It's not, don't defend. She'll never open up about this stuff again if you do. Just listen. Just listen and say, God, prepare my heart. And help me to hear so that I might be the man I need to be. Um, number two, daily practice the romance of one small sacrifice. If you have seen the movie Fireproof, how many of y'all have seen that movie? 
whether you're single or married, I would tell you, go to see the movie. Not because the acting is the best in the world or the production values. It's not bad. There is a book in there called the Love Dare book. We have it in the bookstore. My wife and I have started going through that. We're going to take a group through that right now. It's about that sacrifice. It's about doing that one thing. So it might be doing the dishes at the end of the day. It might be helping get the kids to bed early. It might be bathing the kids. It might be doing carpool. It's just little sacrifices, things you don't want to do. It might be vacuuming up the carpet. It might be fixing dinner sometime. The things you don't want to do that you do it. You choose it and you do it. Number three, give her regular focused attention. If your wife's love language is quality time, you are a bonehead if you don't do this one. Quality attention to your wife. I miss it. It's easy to miss it. I've got stuff on my mind. There's hobbies that I have. There's, you know, I want to check up on the news and stuff like that. I want to email some of my friends. And if I don't take the time to connect with her regular focused attention, I am burning a huge bridge with my wife. Number four, speak her love language often. You should already know your wife's love language. That was our assignment for, I think it was week two or week three. So if you haven't done, again, the the live to die thing, please jump in, do that, figure it out, talk to your wife, find out what her love language is, and learn to speak that language. It will pay great dividends for you. Number five, surprise her with a gift out of the ordinary. I am absolutely horrible at this. I was great at this when we dated, great at this when we were engaged. I used to put notes on her car, inside her car. If she went on a vacation, I'd put little toy stuffed animal in there. If I was going out of town, I'd do stuff. We heard Swigert. Swigert still does this stuff for his wife. Swigert is like the romance man. I mean, if you want to sit down and ask somebody, hey, I really want to connect with my wife romantically, Jason Swigert is probably one of the best guys I've ever met at doing these things. He does all these little things, and I'm always like, oh, don't tell my wife that, Jason. You know, I hope Paige and my wife never talk. I hope... You know, he really does a great job of this. Number six, surprise her by initiating something she likes to do. Last year, one of my friends, he's a huge Longhorn fan. He had tickets to go to the OU Longhorn game, UT-OU, big game, the biggest game usually of the year for the school. He turned it down to go to a play with his wife. And I remember I was on the phone with him, and I said, dude, that must stink. I'm sorry. And he was like, you know, he said, I need to do this with my wife. I really do want to do this with my wife. Um, it's worth it to me. I'd rather, I'd rather give that up. He gets it. He gets it. He understands his priority. He understands the paradox principle. If you want to live, you're going to have to die in some areas. There are going to be some hobbies. You, you scale them back. You might not play golf every weekend. You might play once a month. You might, you might put the boat on hold. If you saw Fireproof, you, you, you saw what that whole thing had to do with it. There is uh, on number seven, stay actively involved in loving your children. There's absolutely, if you want to love your wife at a very deep level, love the children. Serve them. Get involved in the planning of a birthday party. Take them out on a daddy date. Anything you do, because most of our wives have carried the, the, the huge majority of the burden of parenting. They, they truly have. So anything we do stepping up is greatly appreciated and it loves our wives because they poured their life into the children. They carried this child for nine months. They sacrificed sleep. They got off caffeine. If they smoke or drink, they got off of that because they wanted to be pure for this baby. And we didn't do a whole lot to sacrifice or to make room for that child. We really didn't. When we do, it affirms to them that all their sacrifice is appreciated by us, every bit of it. And in their heart, they're fulfilled in childbearing, whether they tell you that or not. Proverbs says that a woman will be fulfilled through the bearing of children, that their children will mean something different to them than they do to us. And it's how God designed it. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's how it is. Uh, Number eight, and this is last week's lesson, basically, keep your relationship free of unresolved conflict. If, if you guys are cold to each other during the day, the bed will be frigid and frosty at night. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's absolutely true. It doesn't matter if it's your first year or 50th year of marriage. 
That's true. Okay. Uh, the above, everything above, is the beginning point of sex for every wife. Everything above is that. And so if you want things to come alive at night, you've got to die a little during the day. Now, I'll tell you a secret is there was a time that I regretted having to die to certain things. I don't regret those things anymore. In fact, I don't even look at them as sacrifices anymore because of what I've gained in exchange for that. So, you know, the first, I remember the first year I quit playing fantasy sports. It was like a big deal for me. It was like huge withdrawal pains and always frustrating. And then I'd walk in. I was a teacher and a coach, and all the coaches we played, and, and they'd be talking about who they drafted, and then they'd be talking about how their players did. And, then they'd be, and I'd be like, dude, if I drafted, I would have gotten this and this and this. And in my mind, I was playing the season, even though I wasn't playing the season. So I was still spending time, in a sense, in, away from my wife. But as the years went on from that, and that was in 2001 was the last time I played, you know, seven years down the road, I don't find myself sitting there now, NBA, you know, sitting there, oh, you know, I wish I had that player. It would be great to have him on my team. Because I love playing. It was absolutely fun for me. But I know that it was a season of life. I need to sacrifice that for my marriage, for my wife. That, that, that's eaten up hours of my week as opposed to giving those hours to my wife. So that is the paradox principle. And now how to help your wife enjoy sex with you. Um, three perspectives we're going to hit real quickly. There are four stages in sexuality or four stages in sex. We've already talked about one, and that's sort of the arousal side. Then there is the idea of love making in there. Then there is intercourse. And lastly, hopefully, and for men it typically isn't a problem, there is orgasm. Those are sort of the four things. And men, we're radically different than ladies in this stuff. And so we need to start with the perspective that my wife and I are not at the same place sexually. You're just not. Women peak in their around 30 to 40 in that window. Women peak sexually. I peaked like 25 years ago. You know, it's like, like when you're 19 or whatever. That's, that's our sexual peak as a man. And women, it's, you know, like 15 years later. Is that God's humor? I have no idea. You know, it's one of those questions to ask him. Hey, why did he make it that way? But I think he, he, he really purifies our heart, purifies our motive in that. That early on, you know, sex... What arouses me doesn't always arouse me. It, takes, well, it took a long time early on in marriage for her to be at that spot that, that it would all come together. It would all be good. And so even though we're in a sexually liberated place, the evidence is out there that most women start, even if they've had sex before, even if they've had the emotion, they have not, their heart has never been in a secure, safe, committed relationship long enough for them to actually freely give themselves to a man. So they've had sex, but they haven't experienced all of it. And so they're, they're bound up. Uh, wives intermarriage sexually inexperienced. That doesn't mean they're all virgins. Definitely virgins are inexperienced. But again, back to the idea of the orgasm and things like that. For most women, it's just an idea. They, they really, truly haven't ever fully experienced what that would be with someone. And... Uh, Number, uh, number two here, many husbands intermarriage believing his wife enjoys sex at the same level he does. So an example is, you know, you go on your honeymoon and you come back and you sit down and your friends say, well, how was it? You know, and the husband goes, great, great. And the wife says, oh, it's great. Yes, yes, great. It's beautiful, great. And what the husband means by great is, you know, I, I finally got to do it with her. Yeah, I got to do it with her. What the wife sort of means is, I, I, I got through it, you know, I got through it. Husbands, it's great because he did it, and the wife is, I, I, I sort of took it and I, I did it. And it wasn't really fulfilling for her typically. And I'll say in our honeymoon, it was just a, a, com a comedy of errors. I mean, the whole thing was just laughable. In fact, we, we did laugh. We just sat in bed one time and just started laughing because it was purely uh, enjoyable for me, but, but really not for her at all. And so... That's how it is. It's not that way anymore. And, and the thing for us to remember is that, that we have a responsibility with our wives is really to help them bloom sexually. We're supposed to nurture them spiritually and emotionally, but we're also to help nurture them sexually. And so there's some, some things we'll look at on how we can do that. If I can get there. There we go. So uh, number two here, and this is going to tee into how we help our wives do that. Keep the perspective that arousal is the key to your wife's 
sexual experience with you. And I'm going to dumb it down for you like this. I'm going to give you a formula. And that is arousal for you is about 10 seconds. Uh, give or take 10 seconds. Um, I know that's sort of a caricature, but, but it's true. We're more like microwaves. You know, it's like my wife comes out of the shower and it's like, swing. you know, it's like, I'm ready. Okay. You know, or, or in the morning, you know, we roll over and uh, touch us. Yeah, it's like I'm ready again. Or, or at dinner, she leans over and she's putting something on the table. You know, there. You know, it's like I think about sex again and, and I'm, it's there. Totally, totally, totally different deal for them. And their formula is this. Arousal for her equals 10 points. And how many of y'all remember, I think it's week two, we talked about how women score and men score. Do y'all remember that? Women score... Every item that you do is one point. So if you hug your wife and say, honey, I love you, that's a point. If you bring her diamond ring, that's a point. You can spend $50,000, it's, it's a point. Um, you, you pick up the kids from school, that's a point. You put a note, you write a note with a dry erase marker or something up on the mirror, or you do it with your finger, and then when the, it steams up, when she takes a shower, it's like, baby, you're the hottest, I love you, you're beautiful, that's a point. Well, when you get to 10 points, it's like, swing, you know, she's ready for you. And she is, is, is fully ready to be with you romantically, sexually. And we're wired up very differently that way. And remember for that, for, for wives, it is, it is frequency of serving, frequency of communication, frequency of surprising them and giving to them and loving them. It's not, you can't dig yourself out of the hole with a cruise to the Bahamas. You know, 364 days, you've been an oaf, and then you, like, buy her love with this big trip. Honey, it's our anniversary, and we're going on this big trip, and you wonder why it's not that great. And I'm telling you because you got one point for that. It seems unfair, but it's just one point. And we're not that way. I mean, we're not that way at all. It's just 10 seconds. So, um, getting in there. Number uh, number C or letter C, establish a track record of being safe in bed. And let me give you, these are huge, important, and again, if you're not married, write notes on this, take this down. If you are married, you probably have blown some of these. My wife, fortunately, was verbal enough uh, early on to tell me some of these, and so when we went through these last night, I was like, ah, you told me that, uh, you told me that. So she had told me almost all of these. Number one, never force anything. Creativity and experimentation is, aw- is great. You know, no woman wants it the same way every time, but here's the deal. Allow her to say yes or no and don't force it on her. And that means whether something is, is, is oral or something is different, you've never done this before. If you force it, you will shove her into a shell sexually. You will break trust with her. If she doesn't trust you, she will not give her heart to you. If you don't get her heart, I promise you, you will not have a wife that will receive you warmly in bed. I promise you that. My wife has said she's known this, that I've always, I've always been gentle with her in that area, even on the honeymoon. I remember my, I had dialed my expectations way back on the honeymoon. I still expected it, but I dialed it way back because some of my friends, we had talked, and they had said, hey, dude, don't, don't go in thinking, you know, they sort of told me, don't think that. And they were right. And so because of that, I didn't start off on the wrong course. Number two, stay pain-free. Stay pain-free. Women are wired up very different than we are. And yes, they do get lubricated when they are ready for, when they are fully aroused. And yet even then, it's not always enough. And it can be very dry and very painful for them to have sex. And if you go in too fast or you're, you know, you need to let her know that she has the freedom to tell you how things are. And if you're not sure, especially if you're newly married, your wife will be afraid to tell you this. She will be afraid to tell you because she'll think she's a bad wife. She wants to please you. She'll be like, I'm a bad wife. And then she'll talk to her girlfriends and they'll talk about it. Initiate it with her to say, hey, honey, is this okay? Is this, does this hurt? If this hurts, I don't, we don't need to do that. No, no, no. It's okay that it hurts. No, it's not. So there was a, a Dr. Wheat uh, wrote a book, Intended for Pleasure. And in an interview, he said, the, the guy interviewing him said, what would you tell 
any married couple, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them sexually? If you could give them any advice, he says, always use lubrication. Always use lubrication. Because if every time your wife has sex or early on in the marriage, if it's painful to her, that's what she's going to associate with sex. And it will decrease her desire, and it shows her that you're not going to protect her, that you need to protect her. And so file that away. Stay pain-free. Number three, know what she likes and what she doesn't. Know what she likes and what she doesn't. Again, communication is going to be the key here. Every wife is different. Some of these things are general across the board. But have that conversation. And here's the deal. Do not be defensive. Because I, I, I have been defensive one time in that situation where, you know, she was telling me and it was sort of the opposite of what I was doing. And I remember I just got frustrated. You know, I was like, well, so, so stinking hard, you know, so complicated. So, and I got frustrated. It hasn't ruined our marriage. It hasn't ruined sex for us. We, but please, I'm just telling you, ask, listen, get to know her, and have that conversation out of the bedroom where there's no pressure on her. There's no pressure. Just have it. Get to know her. Number four, don't rush or overly concentrate on hot spots. Don't rush or overly concentrate on hot spots. Uh, we're going to skip this quote. Uh, I can email it out to y'all. It's actually really, really good. Um, and then number five, use words to compliment and reassure. As much as I like my wife to tell me that this feels good and what, what, what this is, and most sex isn't. I mean, Hollywood, I, I thought sex would be this big, verbal, you know, super loud screaming and chandeliering and all this stuff. And, and maybe you guys rock the world like that. I, I certainly don't. But, but we do communicate just to, does this feel good? Yes, it feels, you know, and we have that conversation as, as we go about it. And so do that, have those conversations and use your words because women want to please you. Your wife wants to please you as much as you want to please her in that area. And it makes them feel very feminine. Two final thoughts. Number one, you're the keeper of your sex life. You're responsible for your sex life. If, if you don't have great sex with your wife, look in the mirror and start with yourself and ask yourself, are you giving yourself to your wife with affection? All those things, because you're going to get what you give. It's the law of life. It's the golden rule of the bedroom. You get what you give. If you initiate affection, you will receive sex. It's not a one-to-one -one correlation. Remember, it's 10 seconds for you. It's 10 points for her. And that's just how it is. And you're not going to change the way, uh, the way women are wired. Number two, initiate conversation about sexual needs with each other outside the bedroom. That makes it a safe place. Number three, keep growing in your sexual understanding and insight. Great books are available to read together. My wife and I talked about this last night. And she said she would not want me to read a sex book without her. She said, I would want to, she said, she said, it seems weird to me if you read a sex book without me and we don't talk about it. And she also said, if you're a new married, if you have a newly married wife or you've been married about three years or whatever, she said, do this, get, get a book on sex. And there's lots of them actually in our bookstore and there's some even in our library. Get it. And she said, actually read it together out of the bedroom setting and talk about it. Because she says, there are things I tell you now that I didn't have the courage to tell you the first two or three years of marriage. And she said the sex book would actually help me identify, hey, that, that's a good point. That's really true. And then I don't feel like I'm the bad person telling my husband this. I'm actually allowing the book to help us. Does that make sense? It will help you with your wife to be able to communicate deeply about these things. Number four, don't sell out the fantasy. Somehow, you know, masturbating in front of a computer monitor or, or, or watching watching a porn video, somehow that, that's not going to build trust with your wife. It's not going to make you more of a man. It's not going to show you how to really serve your wife. It's not. And if you sell out the fantasy, you're going to lose a part of yourself, a part of your mind, a part of your heart is going to be given. Now, now, Christ said you can't serve two masters. He says you're going to love one, you're going you're gonna, to you know, hate the other one type of deal. He said that about money and, and us with him, right? I think that applies to us with our wives that you cannot give yourself to fantasy and 
really, genuinely love, serve, and embrace our wives. And you will hurt and wound them deeply. And again, if you're a single man, the pressures are all around you, and I know that. Uh, Fireproof has a great scene about this that helped me understand even more about why, because I brought pornography into my marriage. So I'm not, I'm not up here saying I never brought it into I brought it into my marriage. My wife caught me in that, and I've shared my testimony on that. I'm just saying to you, I didn't even understand at that point sort of how that affected my wife until I watched Fireproof, and then my wife looked at me, and she said, I think that's really accurate. That's, that could, I didn't know how to say that, but that's exactly what it feels like. Sink down into the chair. You know? So if you're a single man or married man and you struggle with that, that movie, I hope, will be there. And take responsibility. There's lots of ways of having help in this. Number five, seek outside help for sexual roadblocks you can't work through. Seek outside help for sexual roadblocks you can't walk through. There's nothing wrong with counseling. There's nothing wrong with going to another couple, a godly couple, and having a conversation. Ken and Cindy Cap, if you went through the newlywed class, they're great on this. Um, My wife and I have spoken with a couple of couples dealing with some of these issues. Uh, Daryl and Lisa Taylor as another couple, Ron and Rosemary Papula. I mean, if you want to talk with a couple and not go to a counselor, you know, just shoot me an email or come by the office, and, and I will give you a list of some names of people that I know and I trust, and they're confidential, and, uh, and they, would, they would be very honest with you, and, and it would not feel bad at all to sit down and talk to them. In fact, Ken and I, I remember before I got married, I sat down with Ken, and we had a big talk on, you know, on, on sex, and I sat down with Don Mutton uh, probably a month before I got married, and we sat down, and we talked about sex, and expectations and all that stuff and and both of those guys were absolutely a hundred percent right on everything they told me and so um just just no don't you don't have to do this alone you don't have to figure this out alone uh remember this and this is probably you know in our society i always thought that actors and actresses that had the hot body and the, the the great abs and all this stuff were the people or hugh hefner would have the greatest sex and all the studies that have come out in the last 10 years the most sexually satisfied people in America that have the most orgasms, the most frequency, and the most pleasure in that whole deal of sexuality are people that have been married 15 or more years that are engaging in sex together. In other words, there's something about loving and serving for a lifetime, and it's because it's not an act. It's two lives in community. And this sex will grow richer and more satisfying with time. I want to give you two verses, I mean, a a passage here. Uh, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. This is from God's authority, Christ's authority, through Paul. Here's what he says. It is God's will. How many of y'all prayed to know God's will? I have. His scripture gives us ten times what his will is. It just flat out blatantly states it. And it says right here, it is God's will that Eric Reed should be sanctified. That Eric Reed should avoid sexual immorality. That I should learn to control my own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish me for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call me to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, if I reject this instruction, I am not rejecting Paul. I'm not rejecting Pastor Greg. I'm not rejecting Ken or Cindy Cap. I'm not rejecting anybody except Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty, that's who I am rejecting, and he is the one who gives his Holy Spirit, and he can also take his spirit away. And I give that to y'all if you're single or if you're married. There is a war going on for your sexual life. It is going on. And the statistics are there for men in church and men out of church. We are dealing with the exact same dynamics. We have the Holy Spirit in us as Christian men. There is accountability software. There are friendships that you can cultivate in studies like this. There are Bible study classes where there are men in your same age bracket, same marital status that you can connect with and you can travel with. 
if you turn your blind eye to all this to say, I'll just do it myself, I'll do it on my own, you have set yourself up for failure. And I mean that failure on the basic level. Your job is to spiritually lead. That's why God made you a man. That's the core principle of quest for authentic manhood. That is why he made you a man, is to be servant leader. If we're not doing that, Satan has a huge victory. And in our church, as you go, our church goes. As I go, our church goes. Not because I'm a minister, but because I'm a man. We're male by birth. We're men by choice. So the question is, what do we choose today in the area of our sexuality? Will we merely be males or will we be men, men that honor God? I know we've run over. I apologize totally. I had no idea how long this would take. Um, haven't taught this before, um, but I, I do hope you got something from it. Um, go ahead and dismiss your table. I'm not going to pray for the sake of time. Um, and do your die to live projects. I mean that. Absolutely mean that. Uh, I can't check up on you until the end, but but please do those.